That is so good to be with you this morning. For those of you who are visiting with us, as Vanna said, my name is Ramon, and it's just so good to have you with us this morning. So last Sunday, we, we had our Vision Sunday, and uh, just spoken to what the vision of the church is, being to bring the unchurched into a lasting relationship, and pretty much just that that's our creational purpose as a church, that that, that is why we exist as Bikers Church Midrand. And we spoke into uninvited guests, and um, we just delved into Scripture and, and really looked at all the different uninvited guests that we see through Scripture. Not all of them, just some of them. We, we looked at the uninvited lady, where she just walks into a conversation that Jesus is having in someone's house, and, and she just comes, and out of a desperate need for love in her own life, she just comes and, and pours out, literally pours out love onto Jesus. She just pours perfume all over him. And then the other uninvited guest was, was the uninvited lame man, where essentially this lame man gets his friends to abseil him through the roof of someone's house to get to the feet of Jesus out of a need for healing. Um, and Jesus just engages with him, and we see healing come about in his life. And then, then we think of the uninvited Savior, where, where Jesus invites himself into the house of Zacchaeus and um, just says, Hey, man, Zacchaeus, I need to come to your house. And just through his encounter with Jesus, uh, Jesus turns around and, and speaks into Zacchaeus' house, and he says, Man, you see all these changes that have come about. Today, salvation has come to this home. And these were all people who, who came with, with some form of a need. And Jesus met each and every one of those, those needs in these different people's lives. Why? Because, because Jesus had a heart for the uninvited. And as a result, Jesus then, then shares a story of, of how he shows that, that he invites even the uninvited and, and he, he says, my heart is for the uninvited, so urge anyone that you find to come in so that this house may be full. And if we translate that, just so that my family may be full. And that's God's heart for you, and that's God's heart for me. And then Peter goes and speaks into, in, into the, the moment, and he says that we should show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And this, this word hospitality, just essentially being translated from its original language, would be translated to show love for the stranger or outsider and to love them as family. And you see, when, 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 when guests leave us, not just this church, but when guests leave us, they should feel no longer as strangers but his family. That's God's heart for you, that's God's heart for me, and that's God's heart for everyone that we come into contact with. Because the truth is, in God's family, there should be no outsiders because we've all been invited. And this morning, I want to I kind of just carry on with that language and, and, and keep speaking into this, into this moment and See, the truth is, maybe you said yes to Jesus somewhere along the line. Maybe you said yes to following Jesus. Maybe, maybe you had some form of an encounter with Jesus, and, and, and there was some form of life change that took place. 
So now technically, you would see yourself as an insider. But even though you see yourself as an insider, you feel like an outsider. You feel uninvited. Whether it's real or just perceived, that's just the truth. You, you're the so-called insider who feels uninvited. What do I mean by that? The best definition I can give, or the, or the best explanation I can give, just out of my own life, is I met my wife when I was 21. She was 19. She's still precious, just as she was on that very day. I was quite different. When I showed up at her parents' house, they were not thrilled. They were less than ecstatic. They, they, they looked at me and all they saw was this long-haired, torn jean halfway down his bum, stunt riding, no job, biking hooligan. That's, that's who they saw. And in hindsight, I can't blame them. At the time, I did. But in hindsight, I can't really blame them. And, and here, this creature rocks up at their front door to, in pursuit of their beautiful, precious, tender-hearted, like overachieving head girl of a daughter. And as you can imagine... They, they didn't want me past the gate. Never mind at the dinner table. And over time, just a quick show of hands. Who ever went to meet the parents and, 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 and ever sat with a father or a mother and, and asked to marry their daughter and they said yes? How many, how many hands? There we go, we've got several hands. Okay, I have no idea what that feels like. <laughs> because each time I asked, the answer was definitely no. Three times. I still joke with my father-in-law and I'm like, you know, you've actually never said yes yet. So we get married, and, and, and I'm allowed <laughs> into the family by the grace of God. And um, as I'm in the family, I'm allowed at the dinner table, I'm, I'm allowed to engage with the family as family, but I most definitely am this insider who feels uninvited, who feels like an outsider. And I thank God for restoration in relationship between me and my in-laws today. We, we, we love each other. We have great relationship and we can joke about these things now. Um, it took a while, but we are there now. Uh, but you see, as I've just explained that, I think there are a lot of us who, who, who look at the family of God and, and that's kind of how we feel. It's kind of how we feel. We, we feel like we've, we've said yes to being part of the family, so we've been invited in. But because of whatever reason, it might be because of our own personal behavior somewhere along the line. It might be because of the way that people have treated us. It might even be 
Because somewhere along the line, we don't believe that God loves us as much as he loves other people. We kind of slip into this, if I can say, Cinderella syndrome. Where, where, we, where we essentially feel like we're just the stepsister. You know, we, we, we don't have the privileges. We don't have the rights. We don't, we don't get the good gifts. The, the, the actual sisters, you know, the, the actual family, the, they have the privilege. And, 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 and they get healed. And, and, and they are loved on. And we are just there to make up the numbers and do the work. And we're these insiders who just feel uninvited. And folks, this is so often, this so often stems from this flawed view of how God sees us. That somehow we think that God sees us as less than. And this morning, I I, want to, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your background is. God never looks at you through the eyes of less than. When God looks at you, he sees his child. And as we track the life of Jesus, as we follow the life of Jesus, we, we come into contact with this woman. We come into contact with this, with this lady who was definitely an insider who, who felt like an outsider. She, she, was this, she was this person who we could say was part of the family, but she definitely felt uninvited. And as we look at the evidence, she felt that way for good reason. Why do I say that? Well, her story is found in the, in the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <clears throat> and this morning, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching her life from the way that, that, that Luke captured it, from, from Luke chapter 8, verse 43 to 48. Why I say she was an, outside, she was an insider who felt like an outsider is, is here's the deal. 2,000 years later, we still don't know her name. We have no clue what her name is. We're going to get up into heaven. We're going to talk about her. She's going to stop us. She's going to be like, my name is Sue. Now, I don't know that that's her name, but it's something. All we know her as is the woman with the issue of blood. That's all we know her as. Now, essentially, we don't know her name. We just know what was wrong with her. And essentially, if we narrow it down, she was struggling with a, she was like on a permanent menstrual cycle. She bled for 12 years. And no doctor could help her, no, no doctor could, 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 could remedy her problem. In fact, as you read through scripture, it says that, that it actually just became worse as she engaged with doctors. At an incredible financial expense. And it says that she suffered as a result of the treatments and the financial costs. Now the, the other thing about this lady is because of what was wrong with her, there was church law of the day that said that she's ceremonially unclean. 
What does that mean? She's not allowed to go to church. She wasn't allowed at the synagogue. She's not allowed to go to church. Not just is she not allowed to go to church, she's not allowed to touch church people. Aren't you glad laws have changed? Not just is she not allowed to touch church people, but church people aren't allowed to touch her. Or else they will also be ceremonially unclean. And as we, as we investigate this, this woman's life, we can see that, that she was most definitely a woman of faith. So she must have pleaded with God and, and really prayed, and, Lord, heal me. Twelve years. She must have pleaded with God and said, Lord, can you please come and touch this body? Can you make me well? And I can only imagine that at some point it wouldn't have been hard for her to have slipped into that syndrome where she goes, God's just not interested in this life. God's God's just too busy with other people that he just can't attend to me. That somehow I'm just the stepdaughter in this whole scenario and that I don't get the benefits. I don't get the love as the real kids do. And to reinforce this, as we look at this moment that we kind of get the snapshot into, when she engages with Jesus, Jesus isn't even there for her. We, we read the story and we, we see how Jesus is approached by a man called Jairus and, and, and how Jairus asks him to go and heal his daughter. Paul Williams preached on this about two weeks ago. Please hop onto our podcast, go listen to it, it's worthwhile. And, and Jesus says, yes, I'll go, and I'll, 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 I'll go and I'll heal your daughter. And Jesus goes with Jairus and, and Jesus is like on his way to a miracle. <laughs> Jesus is on his way to a healing He's not there for this woman in her eyes. His attention wasn't on her. And how often, folks, don't we feel that way? How often haven't you found yourself in that space? We're just like, you know what? I just don't feel like God's attention's on me. I feel like God is so busy with other people that I'm kind of left out of this equation. But thank God she didn't get sucked into this belief. Because we see her, (coughs) excuse me, we see her recognize that that within her need there's, there's only one real breakthrough. She knows that all that she needs to do is she needs to get to Jesus. That's it. She just needs to get to Jesus. And we see that that she becomes desperate enough to actually push through the crowd. And and, and the the inner dialogue that's going on inside of her is that Luke tells us there that, that she says, if only I could touch Jesus, if only I can touch him, and I'll be healed. He doesn't have to recognize that I'm there. He doesn't have to engage with me. I just need to touch him. And I'll be healed. Because in that moment, she recognized that Jesus was the source of her healing. 
So she pushes through. She pushes through the crowd. She gets to Jesus. She touches the robe of Jesus. And as she touches the robe of Jesus, it tells us that Jesus recognizes that healing power leaves his body. And he stops. And he turns around and he said, hey, who touched me? Now we've got to understand, there was a, a, a mob of people around him. There was a crowd of people around him. And everyone's pressing up against him and bumping and barging. And he says, who touched me? And all of a sudden, no one touched him. Everyone's like, wasn't me. I didn't do it. And Peter's standing there, and he's like, are you serious? Everyone touched you. Like, there are people all over you. And he turns to Jesus, and he says, well, Jesus, everyone touched you. Like, everyone's touching you. And Jesus responds with this, and he says this. He says, no. Someone touched me deliberately. Someone touched me deliberately. And in that moment, this this woman comes and, and she just falls to her knees in front of Jesus and she says, it was me. I touched you. I touched you. And this is why I touched you because I've been suffering for 12 years with this illness. And as I touched you, you need to know that I'm healed. Like, like, I am healed. This, this isn't happening in my body anymore. My, 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 my physical state has changed. I'm healed. And in that moment, Jesus responds with these words. He says, daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. And in one word, Jesus describes the fullness of her healing. Daughter. In one word, what Jesus is is saying to her is that, yes, you've been physically healed. There's been a physical healing. But what's also happened is that, that there's been a healing in your identity. In this moment, I've restored not just your physical body, but I've restored your identity back to me. You are mine. And as you pushed through to reach for me, you moved from a place of just belief to a place of trust. And how many of us know that there's a big difference between belief and trust? There was a, a, a tightrope walker in the 1800s uh, by the name of Charles Blondin. And he, uh, he, he ran a cable across Niagara Falls. And every day he would <clears throat> he tightrope across the falls. Tightrope walk, walk as such. And, um, and as he'd walk across the, the, the Niagara Falls, people would gather to come and watch this madman. He was French. Makes sense. Walks across this tightrope, and, and, and day in and day out, this is what he does. And, and after a while, one day, he takes a wheelbarrow, and he walks this wheelbarrow across this tightrope. And as he's walking this wheelbarrow across, these people just flock, and they, they come, and they watch this amazing feat of this, this uh, Charles dude. And as he reaches the people, they look at him and they're cheering and he says, how many of you believe 
that I can get back to the other side. And everyone cheers. Yeah. And then he looks at the crowd. He says, all right, who's getting into the wheelbarrow? <laughs> See, they believed that he could get there, but they didn't trust him with their lives. And how often aren't we caught in that place? How often aren't we caught in that place where we believe in God? We, we may even believe that he's the king of kings and that, that Jesus came and, and died for our sins. And, and we may believe all the things that we're supposed to believe. But when it comes to trusting God with our very lives, we're not so certain. We're not so sure. You see, isn't it true that, that, that so often we believe that God is God? But we just haven't trusted Him with every area of our lives. That He loves us the same as everyone else. That He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have real children and stepchildren. And somewhere along the line, we stop trusting that he loves us all the same. And as a result, we, we struggle with that issue of trust. And we, we feel like, you know what, Lord, I actually can't trust you with my future. Because I don't know if I'm going to get a fair shake in this. And I believe with all my heart that in that moment, Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, my child. As he said to that woman, my daughter, he looks at us and he says, my child, don't just believe in me, but trust me. Trust me. And as the worship team comes up, maybe you've been, maybe you've been this insider who has felt uninvited. Maybe, maybe like this woman, you've, you felt unclean. You felt like, like people have treated you badly within, within the family. That, that, that's, that somewhere along the line, people treated you less than, and as a result, even though you're part of the family, you still feel uninvited. Or maybe you felt that because of something you did, it's... It's moved you from invited to uninvited. Or maybe you just believe that God has been so busy with other people that he hasn't had time for you. And today, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe that God looks at you and God looks at me. And that God wants to communicate this one thing very clearly to every single person in this hall this morning. And that is, I love you. I love you. There's nothing you've done. There's nothing that you're going to do. There is nothing that, 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 that could possibly separate you from me when it comes to my love. Paul tells us that in the book of Romans. I love you, and nothing's ever going to change that. And that's God's heart for you this morning. That's God's heart for me this morning. 
And I believe that this morning he would, he would challenge us and say, come find out how much I love you. Come and find out how much I love you. In fact, this morning, come and get deliberate. As, as the woman reached out and Jesus said, someone has deliberately touched me. When last did we reach out to God? And, and being deliberate in our relationship with Him. Reached out and deliberately gone, Lord, man, I need you. Lord, I love you. And this morning, it may be that we need to push through. We may need to push through. You see, this woman didn't just push through. She had to push past the crowd. She had to push through and past in order to touch Jesus. And this morning, it may mean that we need to push through and that we need to push past the obstacles in our way. That we need to push past our former hurts. That we need to push past our our, our bad thinking regarding who God is and and what His heart is for us. That we need to push past our thinking of who we are in the eyes of God. Because in that moment, as we allow God to start addressing our thinking, He addresses it by calling you and calling me, Son daughter there is no greater name under the sun folks to be called than a child of God and he looks at us and he he doesn't just say my son my daughter he looks at us and he says you are mine you're mine don't just believe in me but abandon your life to trust me recognize me as the source of of your healing recognize me as the source of your hope recognize me as the source of real love in your life allow me to change your thinking the way you think about me the way you think about you allow me to change your thinking Step into the fullness of of who I've created you to be. Not the uninvited, not, not, not a stranger, not an outsider, but a son, a daughter, my child. That's who I've created you to be. And that's God's heart for you and for me this morning. This morning, we're going to redo a song that we did earlier on. And as we do this, I'm going to ask it right there where you sit or stand, do either. But as we do this song, I want to ask that you keep engaging with God right now. That you just keep engaging with God's heart for your life. Lord, Lord, what are you trying to communicate to me? What are you trying to communicate to me right now as your child? Where are the areas of thinking that need to change? Where are the heart conditions that need to change? Where are the areas where I've only believed but I've not trusted? Lord, come and speak your truth into my life. Lord, come and change the perception of how I see myself. And Lord, come and change the perception that I may have of how you see me.
you join us? Yes, Father God, I am who you say I am. Lord, I thank you that this morning you come and you you put to death, you come and bury the lies of the enemy of our souls, Lord. Father God, any lies that we have may, may have swallowed along the line, Lord, that we are less than, Lord, or, or, the, or that, that, that we are stepchildren in, in some way and you have favorites in another way and we just somehow haven't made the grade, Father. Lord, I thank you that this morning you come and settle in our hearts that you love us, Lord. And Father God, as men and women are just busy doing business with you in their own hearts and their own lives this morning, Lord. Father God, I thank you that this morning I can just pray your truth over their lives, Lord. Father God, that this morning we can come and recognize that who the Son set free is free indeed. Lord, that when we said yes to following Jesus, we said yes to being sons, we said yes to being daughters of the Most High God. And Lord, that this morning as we just come and engage with our Father, Lord, we don't have to, 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 to walk in ashamed, Lord. We don't have to walk in fearful, Lord. But Father God, that we can walk in with liberty in you, Father. Lord, that we can walk in and as my son would, would, would come running into the house after school, just shout, Daddy, and run up to me and jump into my chest. Lord, I thank you that we are not exempt from being the same with you. But Father God, that we can approach you in the same way. Lord, that your word says that you are called Abba, that you are daddy to us. And Father God, this morning, that we can put away the lies, that you don't love us like you love others. But Father God, that you love each and every single one of us the same. Lord, I thank you that you bring about a change in perception in people's hearts and in people's lives this morning, Lord. Lord, come and throughout this week, just come and reinstall the truth of who you are in our lives, Lord. Father God, because if there's something that I know, when we recognize that we are yours, we start to behave like we are yours. So Lord, come change our thinking. And as you change our thinking, I thank you that we can get out into this world that we live in, Lord, where there's such brokenness. Lord, that you use us as catalysts of change. Your word says that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Lord, that we can go out there, be an accurate representation of your son daily and that you draw all men back to you through the kindness and the love that you show through our lives because we understand your love for us. 
Lord, we commit these lives to you in Jesus' name. And we pray it. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. It was great having you here.